You're listening to The Collective Church Podcast. For more information, please visit our website, thecollectivechurch.ca.za. excited to preach this morning um, we are missing your faces like Rob said and uh, so looking forward to giving big hugs and being close together again um, but it is fun to preach in slippers so that's what I'm going to do this morning um, last time I preached about two weeks ago I unpacked some simple and basic truth around walking with the Holy Spirit. And if you weren't able to catch that message, I would encourage you just to go back and to listen to some of that simple truth around the Holy Spirit, um, because he empowers us to walk in our full inheritance as sons and daughters. He makes real to us and draws us into fellowship with Jesus and with the Father. And in that beautiful fellowship, we end up looking more and more like Jesus and carrying the heart of the Father. And in other words, the Holy Spirit is like the flow of heaven to earth in our lives and through our lives. And of course, Jesus modeled this friendship with the Holy Spirit in the most wonderful way. When Jesus walked here on earth, he walked with zero resistance to the Holy Spirit in complete dependence and surrender, um, in fellowship with the Father and the Spirit. Uh, he put it so beautifully in John 5 verse 19. The Son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees the Father doing, because whatever the Father does, the Son does also. Isn't that so powerful? And it's that same communion that you and I have been drawn into by the Holy Spirit, that we can hear what is on the Father's heart. And wouldn't it be so wonderful if that was said about us, that we lived our lives from what we have seen the Father doing and what is on the Father's heart. So I've been asking him in this season, Father, what is on your, what is on your heart in this season of lockdown? And where the wisdom of this world is telling us, wow, we do not know what is up ahead. Times are uncertain. We need to lock down. We need to hold on to what we have because we don't know what's coming up. We need to stockpile. In that atmosphere, in that world culture, the Holy Spirit has been speaking to me about lavish generosity, about how big and lavish and generous the Father's heart is how much affection and compassion he has for people. And it's just been beautiful to see as he's, as he's unpacked this beautiful generosity to me, what a contrast that is to the environment that we find ourselves in where you feel like, oh, I'm panicking because I don't know what's ahead and I don't know if I've got enough. In contrast, the father has this lavish, generous heart full of affection and full of compassion. So I want to read from Matthew 5 in the message for us around generosity. Let me tell you why you are here. You are here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth. If you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? You've lost your usefulness and will end up in the garbage. Here's another way to put it. You're here to be light, bringing out the God colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this. 
as public as a city on a hill. If I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. And now that I've put you there on a hilltop, on a light stand, shine. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. Isn't that the most beautiful picture? God wants us to reflect his lavish, extravagant, generous heart by opening our lives, by being generous with our lives, by loving on others and being generous and gracious to others, the people around us, the way that he has been towards us. Isn't that the most beautiful picture? He wants our lives to shine with generosity. And I just want to touch on those two concepts of being salt and light. In Hebrew or rabbinical literature, salt often is a representation of wisdom. So the Father wants us to be his wisdom, the wisdom of God to the world, the wisdom that is higher than the world's wisdom. He wants us to bring that wisdom into the world. And light, light often represents the presence of God. God with us, Holy Spirit with us, the presence of God with us is the light that we bring into the world. And as we open up our lives in generosity, as we open up our lives towards others, his light gets to shine and they get to experience the heart of the Father for themselves. So let's have a look at how we live generously, um, both now in this lockdown global pandemic time and in the months and weeks ahead. How do we live generously? And I want to start by looking at a scripture from Isaiah that the Lord gave me the first week that we had Facebook live streaming for church here in our home. We were still able to meet as a small gathering that week. And the Lord gave me the scripture from Isaiah 55. Now, Isaiah 55 is a beautiful prophetic scripture. It is multi-layered. There is so much depth in the scripture. And I, I would encourage you to go in and dive in in your own time and just let the Holy Spirit reveal to you so much of what he is saying. But I'm going to highlight verse 8 to 11 and pick out a concept of bread and seed. So let's look at that together. Isaiah 55 verse 8. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, Neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish, so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. I absolutely love the imagery that is laid out in this prophetic scripture in Isaiah 55. This picture of heaven coming to earth, the way that the rain and the snow come down from heaven, they touch the earth and they make it bud and flourish. So it is with the word or the presence of God that comes in our lives and makes our lives bud and flourish and thrive. It's the most beautiful picture because honestly, the connection between heaven and earth was made real in the person of Jesus. 
The distance between heaven and earth was cancelled in Jesus. He's explaining this to, to Nathaniel in John 1 verse 51. When he says, Nathaniel, from now on, you will see an open heaven. Jesus became the stairway between heaven and earth. Thank you, babe. And friends, um, we are given access to that same heavenly realm through the blood of Jesus. Just as Jesus was in heaven and on earth when he's speaking to Nathaniel, so are we mysteriously hidden in Christ in heavenly places, and he is in us here on earth. And so through the presence of the Spirit of Jesus with us, there is this beautiful connection in our own lives between heaven and earth, just like Jesus had. It is made real through the Spirit of Jesus with us and our lives become conduits from heaven. I want to further point this out. Isaiah says here that the thoughts of the Lord are higher than our thoughts there. His ways are higher than our ways. And that is so true. His wisdom is so much higher than the wisdom of this world. But 1 Corinthians 2 verse 16 says this, you have the mind of Christ. Jesus through his blood and by his spirit gives us access to his own mind, to the thoughts of the Father, to the heart of the Father. In 1 Corinthians 2, it explains how the Holy Spirit knows the thought on the Father's mind. He knows what's in the Father's heart and he reveals it to us. That is just the most beautiful and profound revelation of our inheritance. And I would encourage you to go back there and to spend some time meditating on what that means. So we have access to the thoughts of God, the heart of God, the way of God through the Holy Spirit. And Isaiah unpacks here how it is the word of God that goes out just like that rain and snow and accomplishes what God desires. And the word really is Jesus. John 1 says the word is Jesus. The living word is Jesus himself. He is made real in the scriptures, the written word. But he is also the relational word, the spoken and continually spoken word of God in our lives. So it is simply Jesus with us that makes our lives bud and flourish. And he is the one that provides both seed and bread. And it was that that the Holy Spirit highlighted to me from the scripture, Isaiah 55. He said, I am going to give you bread and seed in this season. And that's where I want to hone in in this moment. What does it mean that the Spirit of Jesus, the Holy Spirit, is giving us bread and seed in this season? First of all, I believe it's a promise that he will provide for our daily needs every day. In Matthew 6, Jesus teaches us to pray, Father, give us today our daily bread. The Father is promising that in this season, he will provide for our daily needs. When Jesus teaches us to pray like that, it's an acknowledgement that the Father is our provider. He provides what we need every day to pay our bills and to just buy the bread that we need to get by. He is our provider in this moment and he is looking after us. And not only does he provide our our physical needs, the physical bread that we need. But Jesus teaches us that um, we don't live on bread alone, but we live on every word that comes out of the Father's mouth. 
The bread is physical, but the bread is also spiritual and emotional in the words that continually flow from the Father's mouth. His thoughts and his words are real for you today. And it's his thoughts that transform our minds to actually think the way that Christ does. So he is promising us that he will be our daily bread, that he will provide for us daily, both physically and emotionally and spiritually. And then he's also giving us seed. Now, seed is not what you eat now. Seed is what you plant now to harvest in times to come. In the current economic climate, in the current um, just the feeling, the emotional climate that is out there, you don't want to be planting. You want to be holding on to whatever you've got because you have no idea of what is coming. But that is not the kingdom economy. In this economy, the Father is in, in reminding us, encouraging us that his heart is so full of generosity. And he wants us to plant the seed that he has given us in the season. Now, there's this beautiful psalm in uh, Psalm 126 where the Lord understands that sometimes seed is planted with tears. Have a listen to this. Psalm 126 verse 5. Those who sow their tears as seeds will reap a harvest with joyful shouts of glee. And the footnote says, a sower weeps when he sows his precious seed while his children are hungry. This is a picture of sacrificing what little we have for the harvest to come. Verse 6, they may weep as they go out carrying their seed to sow, but they will return with joyful laughter and shouting with gladness as they bring back armloads of blessing and a harvest overflowing. Isn't that an incredible promise that the Lord knows that in moments where you have little or where you're worried about what is to come, it's like you sow with tears. You'd almost rather hold on to that, maybe grind that seed and feed your family. But when you sow that seed, you know there is a kingdom harvest that is yet to come. You're planting now for a kingdom feast in the future. And the Lord wants us to recognize that he's put seed in our hand to sow now and reap a harvest so joyfully in blessing and abundance in months and years and in time to come. You know, generosity, I realize, in my own life breaks the cycle of me, me, me. I want to look after me. I want to, I want to look after me and what is mine, what is closest to me. And generosity breaks that cycle. It opens up my life to actually exhibit the light and the heart of the Father to a wider community, to a wider world. It's a beautiful process. So the worldly wisdom in the season looks like holding tight to what we have, stockpiling, kind of buckling down. But the wisdom of the season is sow the seed, be generous. The seed that you have now is going to bear a feast in time to come. I'm going to hop to um, a New Testament scripture on this absolute same theme of um, bread and seed. And it's in 2 Corinthians 9, verse 10 and 11. It says this, this generous God who supplies abundant seed for the farmer, which becomes bread for our meals, is even more extravagant towards you. First, he supplies every need, which is the bread that we were talking about, plus more. 
He multiplies the seed as you sow it. Let's read that again. He multiplies the seed as you sow it so that the harvest of your generosity will grow. You plant this, but he multiplies as you're planting. So the harvest of your generosity will grow. You will be abundantly enriched in every way as you give generously on every occasion. For when we take your gifts to those in need, it causes many to give thanks to God. Isn't that so beautiful? As we give to those in need, as we sow our seed, it causes the people around us to experience the generous heart of our Father and to respond to Him in thanksgiving. It's a way that we unlock the kingdom of God. It's a way that we unlock the heart of the Father in the world around us so that people can respond to His heart in thanksgiving. So this scripture is really beautiful and it requires some pondering over. And I just realized that generosity is not about a prosperous bank account. Generosity comes from a prosperous soul. As we give our money, yes, as we give financially, as we give our talent, our skill, as we give our time, as we give our affection and our relationship and our heart to other people, whatever we give of ourselves and we sow into others, we reap and we are enriched. That, that word that I just read from 2 Corinthians, we are enriched in every way. It's not just financially that you're rich, enriched when you give financially. You're enriched in every way. It speaks of the wealth of the kingdom is not limited to one aspect. It's not just financial. The wealth of the kingdom is well-being in your heart. The wealth of the kingdom is legacy in your family. The wealth of the kingdom is peace and love and joy. The wealth of the kingdom is inexhaustible goodness. And when we give generously, we're actually enriched in ways that we can't even put words to. And what's amazing that Jesus does in the gospel speak often about money. And, you know, you read through the gospel, you're like, Jesus, why are we speaking so often about this? And it's because money is often an indication of our heart. The, the being generous comes down to what we feel in our heart. It's a heart issue. And those things that come up in our heart actually expose how much we're trusting, how much we are trusting our generous, lavish father, our provider. So guys, now is the season to sow into church, into family, into community and into the wider world. It is the time to sow the seed that God has given you. And I want to quickly look and make it practical for us. What is the seed that could be in our hands? Um, I've got a couple of ideas, but I would like you to go to the Holy Spirit and say, Holy Spirit, what is the seed in my hand? Let him speak to you directly about what he wants you to sow in the season. So a couple of ideas, acts of generosity, kindness, compassion, and connection can be sown at this time. Whether that is phoning someone or sending someone a text message, taking time to pray for someone or ask the Lord for a prophetic word or a word of encouragement and send that on to someone. Perhaps it's a relationship that has lain dormant for a while that you know the Holy Spirit is just like, I want you to open your heart up again to that relationship. So that's one idea, acts of kindness, connection, and compassion. 
Secondly, financial giving. Financial giving to us as a church, we've been able to support different families and individuals in the community that are struggling in this, in this time. We've also been able to sow into various ministries that are reaching places that we can't even begin to, to know at this moment. Um, sowing financially to people in the community, to individuals, or perhaps even to organizations that you know are on the ground and ministering and to, to people that are in need. Thirdly, perhaps sowing your time, praying, you know, taking just that time in your day to pray for individuals, for our community, for revival, praying for our country, perhaps giving some of your time to a person or a ministry. Or lastly, perhaps sowing the seed of your skill or your talents. Um, I've seen this happening over the last weeks in our community. Our worship leaders have been writing their songs and recording their songs either on audible recordings or on video and, and sharing that with us, sharing that with the wider world, putting out the seed of the gift that the Father has placed within them. And my mom has recorded a meditation. She's wanted to do that for ages and she took the seed and she shared it with us. Uh, one of the beautiful members of our community uh, offered last week to help Rob and I with our uh, Motherland website with an online store, just sewing her skill into um, a place of need. It was just the most beautiful, generous um, response to us. So those are the kind of ideas that maybe the Lord has got new business ideas or skills that you have that he wants you to sew into ministry or business or community at this time. This past week, um, Motherland started serving coffee to staff members and doctors in some government hospitals. And that was just such a beautiful, um, practical example to me of what the Lord has been speaking to me around generosity. So I was on the phone to Seb and I said, Seb, wow, it's, it's quite a time for Motherland to be giving away free coffee when our doors are closed and we're not bringing in any income. And now we're giving away you know, free coffee to these doctors and staff members. And Seb said to me, well, it's our fish and loaves that we're giving and let's see what the Lord does. And it was such an encouragement to my heart because I was planning to speak on that very story from Jesus' life about feeding the 5,000. And so that's where I want to dive in next. So sit with that question of what seed do you have in your hand that the Holy Spirit wants you to sow? Another way to, to put that question is, is the way that the disciples asked Jesus what do I have to give? And I wrote that big in my journal this week. Like, what do I actually have to give? And it might sound like a simple answer, but it took me a while to unpack that with the Holy Spirit. So I want you to write that down somewhere. Father, what do I have to give? And let's jump into the story of how Jesus multiplies the little that we have and feeds and nurtures a whole community. So we're going to jump to Mark 6, verse 34. In the light of my last preach around walking with the Holy Spirit, this story is a beautiful, beautiful example of how Jesus's relationship with the Holy Spirit and living in the reality of how big and huge the Father is, how generous his heart is, that reality trumped 
the challenge, the need, and the impossibility of the situation that Jesus was facing. And it's such a beautiful example to us and an encouragement to continually allow our reality with the Holy Spirit and that inner world with him to grow bigger and bigger and allow it to trump the opposition, the difficulty, and the impossibility that we see around us. So let's start with Mark 6, verse 34. By the time Jesus came ashore, a massive crowd was waiting. At the sight of him, his heart was filled with compassion because they seemed like wandering sheep who had no shepherd, and so he taught them many things. That just jumped out at me. Compassion and generosity is what moves the Father's heart. And we can so often be moved by so many different other motivations. We can be moved by wanting to do the right thing. We can be moved by like doing what Jesus said we should do. We can be moved by um, wanting to see the miracle. But the Father's heart, Jesus' heart, is moved by compassion, by affection for people. And I just turned to the Holy Spirit and said, Holy Spirit, that is a fruit of walking with you compassion and affection for others is a fruit of the spirit and so will you stir that up in my heart because I feel like it's a season where the Lord is teaching us to be moved by compassion for people that our motivation in doing things in life is actually from compassion so let's carry on with the story late that afternoon his disciples said it's getting really late and we're here in this remote place with nothing to eat You should send the crowds away so they can go into the surrounding villages and buy food for themselves. I love that practical assessment. It's very much what I would say to Jesus. Like, here are the crowds. We're done teaching them. They're hungry. That's their problem. Can they go and sort themselves out? Okay? It's not our problem. can, Can they just sort themselves out? We'll sort ourselves out. And Jesus says to them, why don't you feed them? Why don't you give them something to eat. Now, the disciples must have looked at this crowd of 5,000 families and turned to Jesus with a very practical answer. Let's see what they, they say to him. Are you sure, they reply, you really want us to go and buy them supper? It would cost a small fortune to feed all these thousands of hungry people. In fact, in the footnotes, it said it would have cost about eight months' salary. So they're like, Jesus, is this really what you're asking me? Because let's talk about this for a moment. You are asking me to spend eight months' salary to feed all of these people. It's a very practical assessment of the impossible situation in front of them. They're like, this is not going to work. Can we go back to our original thought where we just send them off to sort out their own problems? But instead of taking the disciples' practical and logical suggestion to sort out this problem of need, the Lord says to them, How many loaves of bread do you have? Go and see. This is exactly what the Holy Spirit is asking us now, 2,000 years later. It's just as applicable. What do you have? Why don't you go and see what you have? This is the impossible situation in front of you. I think that you should sow into this, this, this world. Why don't you go and see what you have? And after they look around, they come back and they say to him, we have five loaves plus a couple of fish. It's like, this is what we have. 
This tiny bit is what we have. I'm sure they, they're hoping still that maybe he'd go back to their practical suggestion of, well then, let's let the crowds go. But instead, he says, organize this crowd, this massive crowd, into groups of 50s and groups of 100s. Now, at this point, if I was a disciple, I'd be getting a little bit nervous because I'm sure the crowd suddenly had an expectation that something was going to happen. Like Jesus is like, okay, get them into 50s and 100s. So they must think, wow, someone is going to feed us. Someone has got a plan. And the disciples are sitting with two fish and five loaves. It has not grown yet. It is still this tiny amount of food. And then Jesus took the five loaves and the two fish and he gazed into heaven and gave thanks to God. Guys, let's just stop here for a minute. I've been practicing simple gratitude in this season. And I'm telling you now that gratitude always precedes the more of God. Always. We can get so stuck in how little we have, the lack that it hasn't happened yet, in everything that's not happening. And gratitude lifts our view. And suddenly we see the goodness of God and we see the faithfulness of God. It helps us to root in who he is. And that precedes the miracle that we're expecting, right? So I had, I had to just throw that in. Then Jesus broke the bread and the two fish and distributed them to his disciples to serve the people. So he breaks the fish and the bread and he gives each disciple a little piece of loaf and a little piece of fish. Jesus doesn't multiply the food in his own hands. He gives it to the disciples. That's scary. It would be much more convenient if Jesus had supernaturally multiplied the food and then given it to the disciples to hand out. But he's like, no, my boys, my disciples, I want you to see the food multiplied. So they take what must have been a little bit of loaf, a little bit of fish, maybe enough for their own lunch. And they face the first grouping of 50. And they start to hand out. Can you imagine the vulnerability in that moment? I want you to make it real for yourself. When you take the little that you've got and you begin to sow it, it's vulnerable. You're like, what am I actually doing? And you start to hand out the food and you feed the first group of 50. And the disciples must have looked back at Jesus laughing, full of wonder, like what is happening here? 2 Corinthians, as we sow, he multiplies. As we sow, he multiplies. As the disciples broke the bread and the fish, it multiplied and they fed 5,000 families that day. The food was multiplied in front of their eyes. Everyone had plenty to eat and was fully satisfied. Guys, what a beautiful story. What an encouragement. What a challenge to trust that as we sow the seed, that the Lord is going to highlight to us in the season as we sow that, that he is going to multiply a feast for the nations. I believe that. I believe that we are going to see an abundant kingdom feast in the months and years ahead. We're going to see a move of the kingdom of God. We're anticipating it in our hearts, but what we sow now is key to seeing the feast of the kingdom in the months and years ahead. The wisdom of this world says, hold back, look after you. But the Holy Spirit is saying, what do you have in your hands? 
I want to sow it in this season. I want to sow with you. I want you to reap a harvest in years to come. Can I just pray with us as the Holy Spirit I know moves in all of our lives and our hearts in such an individual and such a unique and beautiful way that we get to represent more of the Father's heart. Let's just pray together. Jesus, we thank you that in this incubation period, your Holy Spirit is brooding over our hearts and you are tending the soil of our hearts. You are planting new things and you're taking out ways of thinking that are making us stuck and you're doing such a beautiful, tender, intimate work in our lives in this season. And we just thank you for the way that you are teaching us about generosity. We thank you that you are revealing in a deeper way the lavish, generous, extravagant heart of the Father. And I ask right now that you would open up our hearts, give us the courage to open our lives, to shine with the wisdom, the presence, and the generosity of our Father. We just thank you for what you're doing right now in all the homes over the city and all over the world as friends have dialed in. We just thank you, Holy Spirit, that you do the work. You brood over our hearts right now. And we just yield to your presence with us. Amen. Friends, it has been just so wonderful to see the comments pop up um, during our time together this morning. Friends from the city here in Johannesburg. It's such a beautiful day in Johannesburg. And then friends from around the world, like Sandy from California and others. It's beautiful to see you online. Thank you for joining us this morning. One of the gifts of the season is being able to participate in community that is bigger than just our area and the suburbs around us. We love you guys deeply. Um, we are posting on Facebook now. Yeah. A worship moment with the McDonald's with Anton Rowe. This is one of their original songs. Rob and I got the treat of listening to it yesterday afternoon. And I just had goosebumps just Goosebumps in the presence of Jesus. The words in the song are so powerful. It's going to center your heart in the Holy Spirit this morning. Enjoy the presence of Jesus with you. He is with each one of you in your homes. And we just, Rob and I and the kids, we just bless you and we love you. Have a beautiful, beautiful Sunday. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit our website, thecollectivechurch.co.za.